Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. Hey, Hoopheads. Once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Kenneth Wilton. And welcome to 305 Culture, a show where you feel the heat. Yeah, yeah. Let's get down to business and talk some Miami heat. I got to okay. say, JJ, did you, did, you, yeah. did you have an extra sip of water there? Because when you went to introduce me, you said Kenneth Wilson. <laughs> yeah. I heard it, it. I heard it. It's just uh, between <laughs> Kenneth and then Wilson. It, it can, my, my tongue sometimes gets a little twisted there. But I understand, Kenneth, man. He's... Used to roll in that tongue when you're talking to your native. I got you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People sometimes forget, but English is not my first language. But Absolutely. anyway, we got a quite a jam-packed show for you guys today. A lot of interesting stuff to talk about, though. A lot of interesting stuff. Absolutely. First, we're going to talk about the jerseys. There was a jersey leak. The jersey. There was a small jersey leak regarding our very own Miami Heat. And people have some thoughts on it. It's basically a, a black... I'm, I'm going to describe it as as well as I can. A hodgepodge. <laughs> yeah. It's a black jersey. And it has... The shorts the diff- are dope. Hold on. The shorts are very dope with the gold trim. Have you seen the shorts? No, I have not seen the sh- The shorts. So the shorts are just a solid black with like that trophy gold trim. Um, all you have to do is go on your local Twitter, or even just go to your local search box and type Miami Heat, latest city of Jersey leak, latest city Jersey edition leak or something close to that. And you'll be able to find it. Um, as he mentioned, the hodgepodge at top. But the shorts themselves, I will say they're very dope. They're like I said, the solid black with the trophy gold, um, the trophy gold uniform gold, that mustard color as everybody likes to call it lining and it's a very unique trimming and i think it has the little miami heat you know uh basketball fire flame basketball emblem also outlined that trophy gold on the shorts now if they had to did the whole uniform like that that would be super dope but i'm probably stepping on their toes because that's the way marketing works if they find out we like the shorts that's what they're going to give us next year a whole uniform like that but back to this uniform go ahead about your hodgepodge didn't mean to cut you off just had to get that little nugget about the shorts were dope no that's fine the jerseys, they're basically, they have a black background. Their their base is black, but the font is a combination. You know, it's the word, it spells out Miami, but it's a combination of the city jerseys that we've had throughout the years. And let me tell you, I am not a fan, 
you know, I, I certainly think they're might might be a hot take. They're better looking than the Gogurt jerseys from last season, which are officially called the vice versa jerseys. But to me, they're the you're, Gogurt you're jerseys. So, you're so disrespectful. You're so disrespectful. Kenneth, let's be honest. They look like yogurt, like the the that colorful yogurt they sell at the grocery store. They and combined it with the court, it wasn't exactly great. We went from having the by far the best jerseys in the NBA, the critically acclaimed Vice Knights, and Vice Wave was also pretty well received. To now back to back uniforms and also the earned jerseys last season, we might as well be called. I they grew on me for a bit. But my initial reaction to that was we might as well be called the Miami Pacers. Wiz. You did. You panned them. I remember you panned them. You didn't like the Pacers yellow, but I told you from the beginning that that goal was mm, chef's kiss. Ah, I got mines early, but I can't agree with you. Um, as far as these jerseys go, I can see them growing on me, though, because I'm an eclectic dude from a fashion perspective. And don't get me wrong. I'm not out here rocking jerseys every day, but I will rock a jersey if the fit is right. Um, especially in the summer, it's like a standalone tank or something, but that's neither here nor there. Check me out on Fashion Week every Tuesday and Thursday. And say, I can't, but um, they can grow on me, and I can see that only because of the nostalgia of every font. But I got it's one of those things where you got to see it in person. A picture doesn't know justice here, if of course this is the real one. But as you've mentioned, um, in our pre show discussions, a lot of the leaks in past years have been spot on, so I guess we have to take this one as we see it right so i'm curious to see if they do a custom court whenever they use these uniforms because then how do you do that though how do you do a custom court for this jersey jj have the my have the word miami spelled out in the center court with the uh, different fonts like it it looks like in the jersey that's my that's what i think it, it will look like and the rest of the color scheme, that's that's up to the marketing and, and branding team. Oh, no, Picasso. That's what I really wanted you to tell me. How are they going to paint the court using 12 different colors? Well, there lies the answer. <laughs> Use different colors for the court, for each, for each part of the court. <laughs> Can't you see it now? One half of the court is vice color, and the other half is just classic heat color. You know, the trophy gold, the Miami heat red, the white and the black, and the other half is... I hate to repeat this. Oh, my God. This is blasphemy. The tricks off of kids, blue and pink. Right. Well, hmm. I guess we'll see. Maybe... Hey, remember, uh, as you mentioned, as you mentioned that I mentioned, that in our pre-pod pre discussion, I mentioned that our uh, the the leaks are usually spot on, but there's still a chance that this turns out to be just a, a concept that got leaked, and the real thing is still in the works. Yeah, could be like a TV show where they're testing it, and uh, if they're testing it, it just scored low. I hope they're not looking for a Twitter Q rating. But speaking of the court that they might be playing on, about the games that they'll play on the court, the schedule is just leaked. And I know we were talking recently um, about the schedule here. Um, go ahead and get in there and, you know, let them know the little blurb that you had on the schedule. I think you had a couple of bullet points you wanted to share, and I found it to be very interesting. You should share them with the class. Well, first off, the Miami Heat opened their season at home against the defending champions, Milwaukee Bucks. Payback on- season. 
October the 21st at 8 p.m. We will definitely, definitely not be missing that game. It will be transmitted via Valley Valley Sports, which is curious. I thought that could be a nationally televised game, given that it's a playoff rematch. You know they don't like us, man. You, we, I think, um, uh, of course, Barry uh, Jackson, Flash Force on Twitter, um, Flash Buzz, um, has them at 22 nationally televised games, I want to say. And I want to say, um, and not that we're the Lakers or the Brooklyn Nets at this point from a national interest standpoint. Um, although we should be a hot ticket with the addition we made. We're getting a lot of love or at least a lot of traction from a uh, trending perspective. I do know that even if they don't, like us or love us or want to see us they want to talk about us and see us do bad which isn't terrible anyway because you know interest is interest no pub is bad pub they say in the biz but the lakers have like 40 something games compared to what i think is like 22 plus so not a ton of national tv love but as you mentioned man you would think a game against the bucks of that nature the team that's becoming our arch nemesis over the last couple of years um, the defending champions no less come on bro i mean you feel me jj you feel me um, I, I don't understand it, man. It's, it's really, it's befuddling. It's confusing. I feel hoodwinked, bamboozled. The Miami currently stand at 22 NBA nationally televised games. That includes NBA TV. Just behind Denver, who have the reigning NBA MVP. And they're still going to be, I expect them to be quite good next season. They have 25 games. And we're just above Atlanta, who just came off a surprising Eastern Conference Finals run at 19. At least they didn't put us above Atlanta, right? They didn't disrespect us like that. I mean, if we get if 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 you put yeah, us we, behind Chico and them, then then this is really a problem. I call him Chico because he got that debauched hair. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're ahead of Atlanta, Portland, and New Orleans. I'm, side note: I mentioned this to Kent. I was just about to say, bring that up, you dirty diabolical demon, you. <laughs> I was. I just I mentioned this to Kenneth in our text chain. But brother, oh man, I'm so relieved that I don't have to turn on whenever the Heat are not playing and I'm looking for a nationally televised NBA game. And I turn my TV on and there are the terrible ass Pelicans with Zion who I have to say it's exci- it's an exciting player. But you don't want to see him on your national TV schedule every week, twice a week. Now let me right. ask you this. I saw something on Twitter recently, it, and, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on this because you know how we do. We could go forever on one topic that doesn't seem that big, but um, I actually saw an interesting tweet. The all-overrated team, you may know where I'm going with this now that I've gotten there. Zion was listed on that team. Is that becoming true at this point? Is the hype, is the interest, is the marketing machine becoming bigger than his talent on the court. I'm just asking. I'm not making that proclamation. That isn't a hot take from Kenneth. Don't burn the 305 culture pod down. I'm just asking a question. Because it's an interesting question based on your thought of like, and, and you're accurate when you say they shoved the Pelicans down our throat since Zion has come into the league. But it, it's it's a it's a complex question, I guess, because of the factors involved. But what do you feel? Is, is Zion officially at least almost overrated he's closer to being overrated than being properly rated however he's one of the best talents in the league there's no denying that he took the league by storm last season he had an incredible season 
even though his team record didn't reflect that, he was spectacular. I can't deny that. He's an incredible talent. Whenever whenever I watched him play, he was out he was outstanding. Very fun to watch. Now the roster construction last season limited how much fun one could have watching the Pelicans whenever Zion was off the floor. Because Lonzo, you know, when they were playing high high paced basketball, they were they were pretty fun. Lonzo throwing some outlet passes with Zion dunking it down. But the roster construction didn't exactly allow for the team to be fun. Like it should be a a team led by that ran that type of offense last season, being trying to be fast. Well, they weren't that fast last season. In fact, they were so during Zion's rookie season. That was when they ran the true running gun, which is when they were truly fun. However, going back to Zion, he was outstanding last season, man, and I expect him to keep on improving and being even better. So I guess we're not there yet at the overrated stage. We're getting close, but not there yet. I don't know if I explained myself correctly or that was the answer you were looking for, but that's how I feel. Oh, no, you did a good job, man. And on a side note, I heard everything you said. Like I said, you did a good job explaining yourself, and I fully understand it. I actually absolutely agree. But one thing I've noted about you, well, a couple of things. When you start to hit that rhythm and you get that low, deep tone and you're saying words like definitely, oh, you really mean what you say. So I, I, I have no choice but to believe you there. That, that's your I'm about business dialect and tone right there. Uh, moving uh, on to the schedule, you. though. <laughs> yeah, moving on to the schedule, man. Um, we were talking about how the schedule sized up for the Miami Heat and what things might look like at different portions. You had a couple of bullet points, uh, as mentioned, that you wanted to share. Let's get into those. Okay, first. The first two weeks of November, we got thrown to the Wolves, and not and I don't I don't mean to the Timberwolves because I wouldn't be as scared if that was the case. <laughs> anyway, the first two weeks, these here's how our games look like. First week of November, Dallas, Boston, and Utah. Now both Boston and Utah, we face them at home. But here's the here's the thing: we go on a week long road trip that spans Denver. The Lakers, the the Nuggets, the Lakers and Clippers in back-to-back games. Utah once again, and then we finish up at OKC on Monday the next week. But you know, and that's a trap game. OKC is definitely a trap game. That's the thing. So we've got. I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven difficult games, and an eighth game that could go either way if we lose focus because. That's what you call that. You're right about that. The classic trap game. Right. After seven difficult games like that, where you're going to have to give everything. um, OKC is that game that you go in like, okay, we got this. It's OKC. And then they mess around and beat you 120 to 105. You know what I mean? Because you waited until late to try to turn it on or because you jumped on them early and let your foot off the gas. So, no, Um, I didn't quite see that the same way you saw it at first. Um, and the more I've dived into the schedule and um, especially embrace that November stretch to open it, um, I agree with you. Um, that That's a tough that's a tough little stretch to go through. I, 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 I'm, yeah, yeah, it's not good. But I think we got the I think we got the the meadow because I think that's what a stretch like that's going to take. If you look at it 
the Utah twice thing is really what fascinates me. I mean, here's the thing. L.A., L.A., I think we're going to split there because they're both talented teams. You expect both of those teams to be there at the end. Um, however, Kawhi's not going to be there. I don't think Kawhi's going to be there that early. So I think we definitely um, are as currently constructed about even with the Clippers. Um, the Lakers still have a little bit to figure out with Russ. Um, of course, Denver, the, you know, the reigning MVP. I don't know. Um, the name slips in right now, and do forgive me, please. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I really cover the league, so forgive me. Uh, point guard, Denver, Jamal Murray. When is he coming back? He should be coming back by my, my estimation. I'm, I'm not a doctor. I'm not basing this off any report. Right, right. Have you heard or seen anything? I haven't read anything, but he got injured what around March, right? Right. Like it was, it was, it wasn't that far. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was maybe about two months before everything culminated in playoffs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe he should be back by February or January. I think. Okay. 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 Because so ACL, he won't be there for ACLs. Denver. ACLs probably take yeah eight almost to a year months. almost a year until you're back at least like I said eight to twelve months you can start ramping up maybe at month ten or eleven you start to give them ten fifteen minutes but until you're back to being quote finger Jamal Murray close quote finger I can agree with that maybe February actually March even April some in some situations um, so he won't be there for Denver um, so again while you have some things that make you optimistic about that stretch. Um, look, man, Luka Donis, Jason Tatum, uh, Jason Tatum and Brown, and, you know, then you go and face Donovan Mitchell and uh, uh, Rudy Gobert. And the new backup center, Hassan Whiteside, had to throw that jab in there. And then you go and face the reigning MVP. And then you go and face LeBron James. And then you go and face PG and um, Reggie. Oh, my God, I still hate the fact that we didn't, you know, nobody got a meeting with Reggie Jackson, but he was balling for them in the playoffs. You know, what they did over there. And then Utah again, oh, that, that's a tough stretch, man. What's your record prediction in those seven games? It's really hard for me because, you know, we haven't seen the team, this new iteration of the Miami Heat play. But, hey, that's, that's, let's get – I'm, I'm going to give a prediction. Let me think about it because let's see. You face two. Wow, you face two really top talents in Jason Tatum. This is a Tatum. tough question for you, huh, JJ? The, the, you face really. I guess we beat Dallas, even though it's an away game, because Dallas, as currently constructed, you know, Luka Doncic can be magical, unless you know. Well, they have Tim Hardaway Jr. who killed us last season. But I say, with this current iteration of the team, I say we beat them. Now, in fact, the first three games of, of the uh, of November, I say we we win. I three and zero. I so predict we three that the first week, the Boston game will be really close because Boston Boston Celtics and Miami Heat games are usually pretty close, and you know there's a there's a bit of, of history there between the two franchises, and yeah, I'm gonna say. That's a really close one. Utah is a bit more of a wild card for me because Utah is still good, but I don't know how they look like coming off another disappointing playoff loss. Maybe they lose their mojo or not. I don't think they do. Uh, the Rudy Gay edition, uh, as more as I've read about it, 
I've internalized it. I think Rudy Gay can be quite good for them. Oh, hell yeah. Because when you think about what they had, now mention, we had talked about the fact that Utah, they would struggle to get better because the only real, again, quote finger, move that they could make was re-signing Conley. Because, of course, you can always, you know, overextend yourself to bring back your own. And then they traded him and got all of his uh, different rights under the CBA and all that jazz. He was their own at that point. Um, so the Rudy Gay addition not only allowed them to make an improvement in the situation where they really didn't have a ton of options to make an improvement, but he's a real upgrade because what they have around Donovan Mitchell and around Rudy uh, Gobert is a bunch of guys on the perimeter that do the skill things well and they can hit a shot, but they can't create and finish with athleticism like Rudy Gay can. Now, mind you, Rudy Gay isn't UConn, Rudy Gay, Memphis Rudy Gay, who's going to come up and jackknife it on your head. However, still, and even at this age, he could get into the paint and do some things that could really disrupt stuff as far as on the opposing defense. When you're talking about a guy in tandem with Donovan Mitchell, even the guy who could come in and do some on-ball stuff when Donovan is out, create a little bit for you. I think in addition to what they have, and of course, we're not forgetting Mike Conley's contributions. Oh, and you forget about the Memphis connection there. Did they play together in Memphis? Yeah, I think they, they did. Okay, so I mean, you know what I mean? You already have a little chemistry there. I think just the way he goes about playing the game adds a different dynamic that they didn't have. So it's like, again, they didn't have a ton of options to get better, but you give a good to maybe almost great team. And I say that because they have stretches where they can be great. But you look at those stretches with questioned eyes because when it means the most, they don't play so great. But that's why I say good to maybe almost great. But you give them – which and they're already a Swiss Army knife with Donovan being able to create by itself. Like I said, those skill guys like Joe Ingles and even um, uh, uh, Bogdan being able to do some things on the perimeter. Uh, not Bogdan, but Bojan. Bogdan. It's one of them, the Bogdanovich guys. You know what I'm saying. Bo- Bojan, Bojan. Um, Bojan. Sorry about that, Bogdan. Um, didn't mean to confuse you, but the Bogdanovich. Um, he, they can get things done on the perimeter. You add a guy who does it a little bit differently so that's just adding another – it's almost like you have a Swiss Army knife, right, which already comes with 20 attachments, and you add another specific but different attachment that you can use in your everyday life to that same knife. That's what they did with Rudy Gay. So I agree with you, man. It may be a subtle move, and you look at Rudy Gay like, eh, it's just Rudy Gay, and he's 35, 36 years old, 34 years old, somewhere in that frame. But he really, you know, adds a layer of versatility to them that they didn't have. So – that may be a little tougher than it seems. They do scare me too. I still think we go three and zero that week. However, the problems lie the week the week after. You uh-huh. see, after uh-huh. I agree after, with you. After they face Utah, they have one day to travel to Denver. So the the Utah game is on Saturday. They got Sunday off and they face Denver on Monday at nine p.m. That's a classic scheduled loss. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we get blown if if we get the blo- the doors blown out of us that that game, because that's the classic scheduled loss. Travel from Miami to Denver to the altitude, and then face the Denver Nuggets with the reigning MVP and a roster that still is competitive even without your second best player. So I think I'll chalk up the L on that one. What do you think, Kenneth? 
I agree with you. Um, and also, and I have a theory about this, and I won't go long because I'm long-winded, as everybody knows by now. Going right from Miami to Denver or Utah, um, first of all, we never play well in Denver. But going right from Miami to Denver or Utah, I think that's terrible for us because what you got to realize is Miami is actually below sea level and it's hot and humid and thick. And then you go to the altitude, which is way up there, which is thin and wispy. So it's just the 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 absolute worst combination of, you know what I mean, cities to go from. But also, we never play well in Denver, so I agree with you. Then, they got Tuesday off, Tuesday, November 9th. Then they faced the Lakers on the first leg of a back-to-back. Which again, you know, it's not that bad because you, you get to stay in LA. You get you face the Lakers and the Clippers. That could be a good thing or a bad thing, though. Well, I trust the I trust our guys. They're they're disciplined. They're veterans. And unless Tyler Hero wants to go running around. Ah, uh, look at you bagging on Tyler Hero. I bet you couldn't wait to do that, huh, JJ? You couldn't wait to pull and throw Tyler Hero up under the bus. No, I agree with you about our guys being disciplined. But I will say this: it's November. And again, it's Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry. And, you know, you have Coach Bo's influence. And I do like Bam Adebayo's maturity, even at a young age. And they like to keep the main thing the main thing and can do that to use a Spoism. I like to use those every now and again. But it's still November. So um, I don't know. You could see those guys hit the streets in L.A. a little bit early in the season. But I still think they'll be ready to play. I actually do think we can beat both of those teams, the Lakers and the Clippers. I agree. No, Absolutely. I think. I think it's highly unlikely that we beat them both on back-to-backs. If we beat them both, that would be that would be incredible. I would be so happy. Oh no, those are st- if if you can beat both of them back-to-back like that early November with the team coming together, it really says a lot about the building chemistry and how fast they're doing it. But dare I say, that's a pair of statement wins if you get them back-to-back like that early in November, early. Like, that's sending a message. We're not to be F-U-C-K'd with. You know what I mean? No, and, that, I, and, I, I, and I said it that way for a reason, because you're, you're not just sending a simple message. That's a strong message. We beat them, and we beat them on the road on back-to-back nights at 10 o'clock our time. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what I was getting at. Those are huge wins. I know that will be early in the season, but that will be some really, really huge wins, and they will be sending a message. And I think the national media would take interest if the Miami Heat end up beating both LA teams in LA. Later, they get Friday off and they go to Utah the next day at 5 p.m. And I think that might be a loss because you go to Utah after, you know, LA, you go from LA to Utah. And it's, it, what kills me is the, the start. It's a 5 p.m. game. That's a not great. Well, 5 p.m. our time, excuse me. So that would be around hmm, 2 p.m. over there. That's asking a lot. Give or take. Yep, pretty early. And Utah's Utah's a really good team, especially in the regular season. They're going to be a really good team. So again, I, my prediction for that week is two and two. So. For that, for that two week stretch. So you, so wait a minute. If you say your prediction is two and two, and you think that we could beat both of the LA teams, but we actually split, 
and that you agree with me or that I agree with you that we lose to Denver, that ultimately means, see how I just did my little Dick Tracy act there? That ultimately means you believe we're going to beat Utah twice in less than five games. No, I believe we're going to beat Utah in Miami, but we're going to lose to them. So that would leave us. Okay, but then you also, okay, now follow me. Well, you that, was, that, was, we that, was, lo- that was me. That was me implying that we beat both LA teams in LA. So you're okay, because I know a second ago, I just wanted to clarify. I'm not calling you out. I was clarifying because a second ago, you had said you didn't know if we could beat them both back to back, but you knew we could beat them both, as in saying there's a chance we could beat either, but we probably won't beat either back to back. But now you're saying that you think we beat them both. It's highly unlikely, but I think this team is built like that. This team, I. Kenneth, I'm really high on this team. I know they're my team. I, I agree. They're... No, I agree, man. And we're homers, so we're supposed to say that. But the same thing you're saying, it, it's such a Miami Heat team, and the piece that we added is so crucial. And I know I cut you off, man, and I hate that, but you you hit on something. Being high on your own team is something you're supposed to be. But when your main issue was going cold at the wrong moments – and then another guy to get you in place so that Jimmy Butler could do everything he's done, but also contribute in those little moments that he couldn't in the previous two years because he was also the guy with the ball. Adding Kyle Lowry is so crucial there. And again, the man shot 40% on over seven attempts from deep last year. It's not even about the shots themselves. But when you're thinking about that kind of spacing at the top, from a pure point guard type with Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler and Duncan Robinson and Tyler Heroes and Max Struces and Marquise Morris's and PJ Tuckers and Dwayne Demons and Omar Yurtsevis and all of the other guys that we're going to play, able to play off of that. I mean, look, man, we already know what the defense is going to be because it's the freaking Miami Heat. I understand why you're so high, JJ, just to clarify. And to add to that point that you mentioned seven attempts and shooting 40%. A lot of those are pull-up attempts. Where Well, Kyle Lowry, his style of play is usually... The, the offense is not even really set, but the defense isn't as well, so he just pulls up from the from the top of the arc and drains them because that's how he plays sometimes. And how often have we, the Miami Heat, had that? Exactly. Sometimes we have been on the... Well, hell, through all, all these years, we have been on the wrong end of that. So... Glad to see it. Glad, I'm glad to see him do that for our team. Now, afterwards, after that tough two-week stretch, it gets a bit easier. OKC, New Orleans, Washington, Washington, Detroit, Minnesota, Chicago, Denver to close the month. But this time, it's at home. After a four-game road trip across the East Coast. So, well, except for the Minnesota game. But across the East Coast, that should be those that should be a pretty winnable road trip. Although, as we have mentioned, the Wizards are gonna be much better than we think that the Wizards will be much better than most people are giving them credit for. Absolutely, and they're also a team that always plays us tough because we've traditionally played them a thousand times over the course of the season. So um, no matter how bad the Wizards are on paper against the rest of the league, I always expect them to give us a tough showing because that's just what they do. Um, but also, as you mentioned, with Spencer Dinwiddie and, you know, Bradley Bill and them fitting better than he actually has with the, dare I say, John Wall or Russell Westbrook. 
and the other pieces that they got in the deal for Russell Westbrook, as you so kindly have, you know, made sure to remind me of, and I appreciate it. Um, Cal Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, um, KCP, um, to go along with the development of Roy Hachimura. I know Don, um, Danny Avija, he's injured, but he has to get back. Um, but Washington has some pieces, man. And like I said, they always play as tough. So um, I don't expect them to be a walkover win. Should we beat them? We should beat them more than we should lose to them this season because we have a better team. But at the end of the day, they're going to play us tough, and they have some talent over there now. So you got to keep your eye on them too. I agree with you, Kenneth. Now, moving on to December. We didn't get a Christmas Day game after last season we got the Pelicans game, which we won. Duncan Robinson shut the lights out. But this year, we didn't get a Christmas Day game. But I guess that's fine with the players They get to sp- and the staff. They get to spend much-deserved time with their families. Well, you know, it sings a little not seeing your team, you know, Christmas Day. For me, Christmas Day is the when you start knowing what each team is. That's to me when, because the first, dare I say two months, well, the first month and a half because the season starts in late October. But November and the first few weeks of December. Sorry, I have to say this. The first game is actually on a special day to me. Um, I don't know if everybody knows this out there, but the season opens on October 19th, and that just so happens to be the day that a star was born. I'll leave it there. Oh, well, that's quite the that's quite the gift. Quite the gift, right? I told my girlfriend, don't look for me that day. I'll be in front of the TV. You can go to dinner for me by yourself. Give you a gift for me because my gift will be on TNT. Tell her to get you some takeout so you can, so you can eat while you watch the game. There you go. So... December should be easier because we got we got well not easy easy the NBA is not easy easy. I'm glad you said that. Clean it up because you know they you know they're going to talk about us if we say it. it's the NBA man. Everybody's a pro. They're the best top five percent in the world. Every player, even the 15th guy on the bench, could go to the local YMCA or the local rec center and cook everybody. We're aware, but relative. I agree. I mean, December, for me, December, January, and February sees a chance for us to rack up some major wins. We have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 games in December. I think of those 16, we could win 12. In January, we have 4, 7, 10, 14, 15 games. Of those 15 games, I honestly believe we could win 9 or 10. In February, we have 2, 5, 7, 10 games. Of those 10 games in February, hate to sound a little cocky, but I think we could win eight of those games, and I'm being completely honest. I'm going to push back a bit on January, but we're going to get, when we get to the January portion of the schedule, that's where I'll, I'll, I'll establish my point. And that's why I put it all on the board, man, because you were about to go piece by piece, but you know my take on the whole thing, and I said this the other day, whereas you believe we're going to encounter a little bit of rockiness um, right there at that top portion I think that with the flow they'll be got in and with the competition they experienced early on, yeah, they're going to, you know, get to those top teams that you're going to mention. And I don't want to step on your toes by mentioning them, but I don't think they'll be as bumpy as they would be if they didn't have, as you mentioned, that tough stretch in November, an example, if they didn't open with the Milwaukee's before they went to play a tough Indiana team, Indianapolis team after that, even though they're not great, they're a tough team. And then they have Memphis to close October. Of course, you mentioned the tough November stretch. Have Memphis, Milwaukee, 
um, Indiana and Milwaukee again, Indiana again in December. So that's Indiana twice in December, Milwaukee twice in December, even amongst all of the roughage, they have enough, like, let's say padding in there to knock them around that by the time they get to the part of the schedule that you're worried about in January, I don't think it'll impact them as much, but that's all on the board. So now you know how I feel, kick how you feel. I think December is a great opportunity to eat up some wins. We get Cleveland twice. Now, Cleveland, they're, I don't think they're quite the pushover that they have been in the past few seasons. They have improved. They're young. But they're still not a real, they're still, they're still not good, a good team. Indiana, Indiana always is always feisty. The Milwaukee Bucks, we played them twice. Once at home, once, at, once on the road. That's going to be interesting to see. And once again, I, th I think, you, well, if I'm reading the schedule right, the first, the second time we face Milwaukee in the season is still not a nationally televised game. It's in Milwaukee. If I'm not mistaken, if I'm reading this correctly, the first time we get to play the Bucks in national TV is on December 8th, a Wednesday night game on ESPN at, in Miami. So, I don't know. Maybe they were just saving it up for for the December portion, you know, that's when the when the season really starts to get rolling around. So maybe I understand why they saved the the ESPN game, the ESPN Milwaukee Bucks Miami Heat game because it would be very strange if the Heat and the Bucks play and we don't get at least once on national TV. But anyway, that's gonna make up to that point in the first three months of the season we will we will already have faced Milwaukee three times. That's a lot. So I guess we won't face them again until very late in the season. Right? No, we, we don't face them again. Wow. So the first three meetings between the Bucks and the Heat, the only three meetings between the Bucks and the Heat, they will be spent the first three months. Now, the other teams that we face in December. I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I got to ask you a question. Ben, that you mentioned the amount of times we face the Bucks. As I mentioned earlier, they are arch nemesis, and you brought up a good point. Maybe they want everybody to be you know, to find themselves before they pit us against the Bucks. Okay, I can buy that. But then I look at the national TV On national TV. opening games. Hmm? No, that you mentioned that you mentioned that the that we wait until we get fine tuned until we, we get to face the Bucks and I, I wanted to clarify on national TV. Right, on national TV. No, right, absolutely. I'm sorry for not clarifying that. But we want to wait until everybody's, you know, got the rust out before they put it on the national stage for everybody to see, right? But the opening game, of course, on my birthday again, is between the Nets and the Bucks. And not that I have a problem with that, because again, the Bucks are the world champion and the Nets have a greater national following. I guess it leads me to this question. You're also hearing a lot of this. Are the Nets and the Bucks rivals? Because that's what everybody's saying. I understand the recency bias and the playoff drama, but are the Nets and the Bucks greater rivals than the Heat and the Bucks are at this point? In terms of, of bad blood and animosity between the teams, no. The Heat and the Bucks, they they play each other in two straight postseasons. I would I wouldn't be surprised if they play each other in a third straight postseason. Both teams have humiliated the other in in their respective postseason victories. The Heat in the bubble against the Bucks, where they just absolutely destroyed them, and the Bucks last season where they annihilated us. So, right in terms I, in terms of of, let, let me finish. In terms of bad blood and animosity, which is a big part of a rivalry, no, it's still the Heat and the Bucks. However, in terms of 
maybe basketball talent and stars. Maybe then the Nets and the Bucks are rivals because they're both contenders. They're the top two contenders in the East and probably two of the three contenders in the entire league. Go ahead. I, I. Oh no no no! I wasn't trying to. I was agreeing with you. I was when I interjected there. It wasn't to cut you off. It was to give you that agreeance to vibe with you. Um, to kind of set up what I was going to say next. But that just because they're the top two contenders doesn't make them rivals. And I said all that to say that would be my pushback on the why don't we see more national coverage when they play each other two times. Um, is it is it two or maybe three? Is it two or three times? They play each other at least two times before you put them on national TV. And as you stated, they don't see each other after that. It just it just it, it befuddles me. I don't understand because the Heat and the Bucks are rivals. That's just what it is. So I just want to make sure I wasn't what's the word I'm looking for? I wasn't, you know, vigilante thinking on that one, like something that I created in my own head. I was making sure that it was something that we're all are seeing. And that just bothers me. Um, not to the point where it's a real issue, but that would be my pushback. How are we not seeing them when they're probably one of, if you name four rivalries in the current NBA, Bucks Heat would have to be in that top four. Can we agree? Yeah. Right now, yes. That And that's my only pushback. But continue with the schedule. To round out December, we fate, we have our first meeting of the season against Philly. Again, not nationally televised. You, you, you got the Jimmy Butler factor with Philly. Why don't you televise it? And the Sixers, as much as we slandered them, I expect them to be good. Not as good as last season. I know they're running back the same team, but the chemistry issues there, I think, will, will start becoming very apparent if they don't get rid of Ben Simmons soon. But we've already touched on that point, and we, I, don't, I think there's not a lot more to be added to that. So we get Orlando, Cleveland twice. Detroit twice, well, Orlando twice, excuse me. Detroit twice, Cleveland twice. We get the Spurs in our first meeting of the season against them, and then Houston. I think that should be a really good month for us, Kenneth. We should rack up a lot of Ws. I even expect us to win against Philly, because Philly, as we all saw there, mentally, sometimes they're not there, and when, and if they end up getting a marginal return for Simmons, they're going to be significantly weaker for it. And as of right now, I still think we are a superior team, even after they trade Simmons, unless they get a, a Damian Lillard or something, which seems highly unlikely. Right, and as I mentioned in Fisher's Bleacher Report, he they were he was saying that uh, he was saying Jake Fisher that only Damian Lillard would be the guy that he you know supposed would cause Philly to make an immediate deal. So they probably will go into the season with Ben Simmons still on roster. Yeah, and that can up and open up some issues because as we've read. Maybe Simmons is prepared to miss, to start missing training camp in order to get the trade. But whatever, leave that to the Sixers podcast. Absolutely. And on December, I agree with you, man. Uh, we have a major chance to rack up wins. As I mentioned, out of the 16 games, I think we only have a chance to lose four of them. Um, you know, Indy and Milwaukee, I think we could lose to either one of those guys once. I don't that's think a, we'll lose. Go ahead. That's a, that's a pretty brutal back-to-back. Absolutely. Because as I mentioned, and that's why I wanted to clarify in the beginning, man, um, I don't know where a lot of people have Indiana finishing this year as far as their seeding goes, but they're another one of those tough teams that if you go in there and you're not on your game and you're not prepared to 
played all game to win it, they'll win the game. They'll they'll beat you. That's plain and simple. They'll beat you. So there's a chance we could lose to them once. Um, there's also, I think, we'll split with Milwaukee. Um, like I said, I think we could lose to Philly, but I think we beat them, as you said. We could lose to Washington, but I also think we beat them. And we could lose to Memphis, but I also think we beat them. So I think at worst, um, we go 12-4 and four in that 16-game month of December. Yeah, Memphis always plays as well, even Absolutely. if we're at home. If you'll notice, there's a theme with us. Teams that can match our toughness have a chance to beat us. It's plain and simple. If you can't match our toughness, we have an advantage on you. But even if you're not as good as us talent-wise, Indiana, Memphis, um, if you can match our toughness, which they can, you have a chance. It's plain and simple. Now, January. That's where it gets tough again. Start of the new year, 2022, the second day of the year against the Sacramento Kings. That's going to be a... That's part of a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven game road trip. I think that's the longest road trip of the season for us, right? They go to San Antonio, Houston. Yep. Consistently, even though it stretches across the back end of December and January, I would say that is probably the longest stretch because I think our other longest stretch would be a couple of four game road trips. Um, Yeah, I mean, we have a four-game road trip, like you said, in November. No, actually, we have that five-game road trip in November. Wow. So I know you said that's – ooh, that's seven, right? But here's the kicker. We have a couple of long road trips, man. We have the first five-game one in November, and we have another four-game four road trip in November. We have another four-game road trip in December. We come home for four games before hitting that seven-game road trip. Um, then we have another four-game road trip in February, but we don't have any road trips that are longer than two games after February, though, which I guess is a positive. But yes, to answer the initial question, that seven-game one to end December into January is our longest one. And not an easy stretch. So now that you highlight that, I can see why you have issue or take issue with that, but I still don't think it'll be as big of a problem as you. Continue. Seven-game road trip between the end of the year They end the year in Houston, December 31st, and then they start the new year in Sacramento, just part of a seven-game road trip, which that ends in Atlanta. And then we face Atlanta again, this time in Miami. That's an infamous scheduling, uh, an infamous scheduling, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, a scheduling irony in this event um, because for the last shenanigans. Three, yeah, shenanigans for the last three years. Good word choice there, JJ. For the last three years, that's happened with us in Atlanta. Do you remember? Is that registering for you? That we yeah. played them home and home for the last three years. Now, last year where they were instituting a lot of home and home for so scheduling purpose, it makes sense. But the year before that, it just happened. And now it's happening again. So I think that's the thing would have been so geographically close, but it is funny. Two wins for us. Mm, two wins. I could see it. But I could also see it going... At worst, yeah, we split. At worst, we I split. I could see us splitting too. Yeah, you're right. Especially after a road trip. They got off three days. I imagine they're probably going to leave Phoenix at least by the next day, which gives them two and a half days in Atlanta. Mm, mm, mm. That's always a loss. Yeah. And, you know, that's the last game of the road trip. Maybe they want to close the road trip strong or they just are 
they just want to get home because that's a really long road trip and you visit a lot of cities you go you go from wow you have two games in texas then you go to california oregon then you go to arizona and then georgia that's that's a lot that's a that's and, a lot of and mind travel. you bro and mind you bro even though it's only seven games, you haven't seen your own bed, your own kitchen, your own front door in one, two, three, your, your four, kids. five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen days. As right, your kids. Everybody don't have kids, so I won't discount that. But for the people that do have kids, yes, the most important thing, you haven't seen your kids in fifteen days, bro. Like, come on, yo, that's tough. That's in on and especially and still being able to expected to do your job with peak performance now mind you we're talking about guys whose job is to exert their body to the brink of collapse every night i mean for two guys who know what it feels like to be in their own head so i'm not revealing anything because we both have shared this with each other um we know that if that mental is not right then their body will follow that's that's true so Afterwards, the traveling gets a bit lighter, except for the first two weeks of February. But after that, a lot of homestands. March in particular is essentially has essentially a three-week homestand. You got the second week of March entirely at home, the third week of March entirely at home. And then you go briefly for a brief game in Philly, and then you come back home. Maybe they just front loaded the travel, and then the homestands that allow that allows the team to, you know, to be to be ready, to rest with not rest but be better prepared and more, you know, it it helps to just be at home, you know, absolutely not getting, not getting on a plane after every game. And that was something that I mentioned to you um, in my blurb about the initial schedule. I really like that closing stretch. And, of course, diving into it deeper here, you realize that a lot of it's at home, um, which actually helps the point that I was making there. But I like that it gets tougher inter intermittently through that home stretch there coming into the playoffs because, like you were hitting on or alluding to, it allows them a chance to sharpen their iron, sharpen their tools, um, heading into a tough playoff stretch, man. And, in the fact that they're at home able to do it um, in the comforts of their own home, but still facing some tough competition, I feel like that's an environment that's going to foster the absolute best. And it's not as if they aren't being tested or aren't getting used to winning on the road. Because as we've mentioned, shoot, man, the first couple of months of the season, it seems like it's nothing but four plus game road trips. So I really enjoy that back end of the schedule, not only because they're at home, it's to give us a chance to rack up another, you know, bushel of wins or so, but they also have some tough competition sprinkled in there that, again, will allow them to continue to sharpen their iron for a tough playoff stretch that's sure to come. Yeah. So, uh, I, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Anyway, January. We're in January. We're still not done with January. Sacramento, Golden State. Golden State, I expect them to be Pretty good this season. Clay will be back. Maybe James Wiseman improves. I guess the Wiseman thing. Wiseman and Wiggins, they'll be in constant trade talks during the season. That'll, that'll be something that maybe hangs over the team. One of them for sure won't be there by the end of the year. One of them's gone, surely. 
Wouldn't you agree? I think that's a shared prediction we, we have. Neither one of or both of James Wiseman and Andrew Wiggins will be, won't we be with the Golden State Warriors at the end of the season? So, Sacramento, eh, I don't know how to feel about them. I think we should beat them. Unless Buddy Heald again kills us. Like, I'm not, I'm telling you, let me tell you something. I'm really excited for this scene for another thing. We have so many defenders that the risk of an of a random heat killer going off every night decreases. Unless we face the Orlando Magic when they still have Terrence Ross. So that's Yeah, oh man, he's the 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 prototypical random heat killer. But that's the thing about last season specifically, man. Um outside the whole phenomenon of the random heat killer, which is true and real and actually authentic. Um it just seemed like on top of that whole thing, there were guys that just had, I don't know if it's because of the coverage we play or, and, and, and we've talked about it, but Coop, Cooper Moorhead um, actually alluded to this in the middle of last season. The Miami Heat didn't do anything different defensively. They've been there coverage-wise. There was nothing else that they could do in certain situations. But when you look at Malik Monk, um, and another couple of guys that just absolutely went nuts. Uh, I think also Brooks, Dylan Brooks from Memphis, went nuts from behind the arc. It was just guys going insane. They were just making shots, man. Um, I, I, again, there's been people trying to explain it, and there's just no – like the numbers, the eye test, it's like if you look at the defender, he's right there. The guy's just making the shots. If you look at the numbers – the percentages that, you know, the frequency they cover players, how they cover, what kind of contest, percentage of fouls, percentage of possessions given, percentage of possessions being guarded by a certain person. All of the numbers played out similarly or the same as they have in past seasons where these guys just haven't went berserk. But for some reason, um, they just made the shots last season. So I agree with you. I hope that at least the presence of some of those other guys kind of averts that, man, because that's just, I mean, it hurts. What can you do? You know what that means, Kev? The benefits the pendulum theory. If it swings one way, it should swing the other. So we, so nobody's going to be able to make anything against us this year is what you're telling me, JJ. If you tell me that, I'm going to hold you to it. Not any, not nobody, but very few people. Maybe only okay, Terrence Ross. I'll take that. No, so maybe only Terrence Ross. Maybe only Terrence Ross and Tim Hardaway Jr., but not Brandon <laughs> Goodwin and Garrison Matthews. Oh, my God. Did you have to remind me of the Atlanta situation? We could have been playing the New York Knicks in the playoffs. All you had to do... I, I digress. I digress. I'm going to take that game to my grave because that game hurt me. It physically hurt me. <laughs> anyway, January... Well, whoa, we're still not done with January. Let's run, let's run through it quickly. They end the road trip in Atlanta, but however, they fa- the, the prior game, they faced the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix, the Western Conference champions, Phoenix Suns, who again, maybe they they might be better, they they might be the same. I guess it all depends on how Chris Paul keeps aging and how much Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton improve and how Mikael Bridges plays, Cameron Payne, all those guys. But at least they solved their, their backup center situation, which severely exposed them in the finals. After that, they at least get three days off, which you accurately mentioned Atlanta then Atlanta and home Philly at home of the second night of a back-to-back 
that one scares me a bit. I know they're Philly. I know, Kenneth, I know they're Philly. But hear me out. That's the second night of a back-to-back against a team that's big. And as we have seen, historically, Joel Embiid might be the only guy that Bam struggles with to contain. Although anybody in the league would contain, would struggle to contain Joel Embiid. But our best defender, Bam, he seems to struggle against Joel Embiid. So that one scares me a bit. What, what did you say about that, Kenneth? I actually... Look... Please understand what I'm saying. There is no world where anybody can stop Joel Embiid. Nobody will stop Joel Embiid. We've talked about quote fingers, those guys, quote fingers. Um, Joel Embiid is one of those guys. You can only hope to contain him. Now, this is also why I beat this drum to death since we signed him last season. Um, Dwayne Dedman. What Dwayne Dedman is going to do from a physical perspective is allow Bam to do more of what Bam does, which is float. So while, again, he struggles on Joel Embiid, I don't think he'll see as much direct time on those guys as he will, as he has in previous seasons, because Dwayne Dedman is there to absorb some of that physicality. And when you're talking about a guy like Joel Embiid, yeah, he's a lot of finesse. He can hit you on the perimeter between his legs, bop, bop, bop hit you with a jump shot off the wing or whatever, but he still gets a lot of production done at that rim and in that paint. Um, and whether it be him, whether it be guys like Jokic, whether it be guys, you know, like Rudy Gobert, uh, whether it be other big guys, I really think that the Dwayne, Dwayne, Dwayne Deadman impact um, is going to be felt specifically there because you also mentioned that Philly is big. Well, we're not a small team anymore. Like, as of this year, when even though he's not a defensive guy right now, when you think about Yertsevin, when you think about Dwayne Dedman, when you think about Markeith, when you think about uh, Bam, they're not, you know, Bam and Markeith aren't huge guys, but they aren't necessarily small guys. And when you think about the fact that we have bigger guys now to play beside them, we're not necessarily small either. So I think that those little uh, tweaks and ads from a, a whole season, because we only got Deadman for about 20 games last season, I think that's going to have a major impact. And in situations like Philly or situations like Phoenix or Utah, that's where you're really going to see that. So I agree. You have to be mindful of MB because, again, he's one of those guys. But Deadman's going to make an impact there. Okay. Now, they can move on. There's, they're still at home. That's a four-game. That's, those are the first two games of a four-game homestand. They go up against the Raptors and the Blazers. Both of those games are extremely winnable. I expect a, I expect them to win. You know, there's always the superstar factor of, you know, and especially in Portland's case. Dame Lillard going nuts. Dame Lillard going for 50. Right. Some, sometimes you just can't do anything about it. Back to that pull-up triple magic that we didn't have any of. He has all of it. And then we go back to Atlanta. And then we come back to L- back to Miami, where we face the LA Lakers Sunday, January twenty third. That's the final meeting between the Lakers and the Heat of the season, and that's that week. Those next two weeks are not necessarily pushovers. You got the Lakers, the Knicks on Wednesday, not a national TV game for some reason, especially down in Miami. Although maybe we get one up there in New York. Uh, yeah, we in February. The 25th, we get a ESPN game in New York against the Knicks. That should be a fun one, especially with especially with Mike Breen calling the game. Unless we get Mark Jones, who also is fantastic. 
So get the Knicks, the Clippers, and the Raptors on a back-to-back. The, Clap- the, the, the Clippers and the Raptors on a back-to-back. And then they go to Boston to end the month. Now that month, it's a bit of a mixed bag. I think the, the road trip will, will take a bit out of them. And maybe that might, that might be a bit of an uneven month. What do you think, Kenneth? I definitely think the road trip takes a bit out of them, um, but I think they come back and they're able to make it up. I only think they have one tough, really, really tough game after that road trip. And to be honest, I think that's against the Lakers at home. But again, that's at home. Because um, as you mentioned, Philly, they still have a lot to sort out. So they're going to be a good match with us, but I don't necessarily consider that tough because I consider us to be closer to even than not. But I think by that time in January, you've given Russ, AD, and LeBron a good opportunity to figure things out. So I think that game should be tough. Um, as you mentioned with Kawhi Leonard and the ACL situation, I know we weren't talking about him. We were talking about Murray, but just ACLs in general. Um, it'll take him a while to get back. So I still don't think he'll be back by January. So you look at the Clippers there. Um, they shouldn't be an awfully tough game. We should have good matchups against the Knicks, as you mentioned. But I don't think they're going to be an awfully tough matchup either. It's a lot closer um, to us being better than them than it is even, I think. But I think that January stretch after the home, after the um, away, after the road trip, I do apologize for my words there, after the road trip should be fairly productive for us. Now, something I do know, we played Toronto three times in a two-week stretch. Now, while the Clippers in that last week of January won't be tough, I do worry about those two games against Toronto. One, the first one is coming off of back-to-back. We're probably going to beat them in that first game, and you know they're going to have something to give us because of Lord. So I do worry about that two-game stretch. Um, well, actually, that three-game stretch, because in between those games, that Boston game is kind of sitting like a trap game too, especially if the first Toronto game doesn't go our way. Looking towards them in the following game, that could be a problem. Agreed. Now, February, very quickly. Uh, we're Well, we're, we're already at the one-hour mark. Look, man, the schedule the schedule will do that to you, so I get it. We got to push it. February. Less games due to a shorter month and the All-Star break. All-Star festivities should take place between the weekend of February 18th to the 20th, right? Yeah, that's the... They that's the, long- the yep, looks like the built-in break. They have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six... Seven days built into the schedule, so I'll agree. In February, though, man, just looking at the schedule, the only concerning stretch, as you were about to mention, not to step on your toes, we have Toronto, Charlotte, Washington, New Orleans, Brooklyn, Dallas, Charlotte, New York, San Antonio, and Chicago to close the month. Now, we have Brooklyn on the 12th and then Dallas on the 15th. If I had to pick any games out of this month that bothered me or worried me, it would be that two-game stretch there. Now, mind you, we have two days in between, and they're both at home. But you're facing Brooklyn, and then you're facing Dallas. Other than that, nothing really frightens me in February. What say you? Aside from those two games, maybe the fact that we got a back-to-back. And we play a first leg of, back, of a back-to-back in New York, which is the aforementioned nationally televised game. And then we go back to Miami to play the Spurs. Now, the Spurs, they're, they're always well-coached. And I think they should be better this, this season, even, even after losing DeRozan. So maybe that one scares me a bit. Another one of those Memphis-Indiana situations, any team that can match our toughness and discipline has a chance. So I agree with you on the well-coached factor because they'll always be disciplined. Then we go into March, which I think 
aside from December, should be our best month. Well, we we have a even, hell of a back to back. I'm about to, to say even March. with the Milwaukee, even with the Milwaukee Brooklyn back to back on the second and third to open, you feel like that'll be our best month. And mind you, wow, wait a minute. After the Milwaukee Brooklyn on the second and third, we go one day, and then we face Philly, albeit at home. But that's a hell of a three games in the course of four days, brother. Yeah, I. I just as I was mentioning it, I saw Milwaukee and Brooklyn on a back-to-back, and I was like, oh, that's that's a pretty tough back-to-back. We're pretty much playing the top three. We're playing the top three contenders in the East in a four-day stretch. Yeah, that back-to-back to Milwaukee and, and Brooklyn, that might be that might be tough to watch. I, I, I have confidence that we can beat them both. But going 2-0 against those 3-0 against those teams... Bro, and that's the thing. As we mentioned, we Philly doesn't scare us, but after you play Milwaukee and Brooklyn, you know what I mean? Are you like, you know, Rocky in the 10th round and, and all Philly has to do is come in and clean you up with one haymaker? I mean, that's a tough stretch, bro. Ooh, that opening to March. But again, it provides us a chance to sharpen our tools. So like you said, I got confidence we could beat them. Then it gets much easier. We got a two-week homestand. In which we play Houston, Phoenix. That's 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 the toughest game of the of them all because then we play Cleveland, Minnesota, Detroit, and OKC. And I know that they're at that point they will be probably looking at unless something goes horribly wrong, we'll probably be looking at that stretch and say we gotta go four and nothing, four and zero, four and zero. Especially if the seating race is tight, four and zero should be the objective between. Cleveland, Minnesota, Detroit, and OKC. Maybe even 6-0. Go on a six-game winning streak. Heading into Philly. Have all that momentum. What say you? We have 15 games in that month. I think we should win 11 of them. It's a success if we win nine, but we should win 11. Does that answer your question? Hmm. That could be possible. I mean, because I'm, I'm telling you, man, that first week, that thing, ooh, that's tough. That's tough, but I agree with you. In the rest of the month, when you're looking at Philly, that Philly, Golden State, New York Knicks, Brooklyn stretch in the third week, um, that's a stretch where I could definitely see us losing the game, but even facing Phoenix in the second week, um, coming off of those three games and then you know having a chance to bounce back against Houston, I think we should be able to knock Phoenix off at home. But um, – you know, other than those first tough three games, the only other really, really tough game that we should play is the one on the 26 against Brooklyn. But as mentioned, that's on a back-to-back after playing the Knicks. Mind you, at home, both games, so that helps. Yeah. I think this should be a good month for us. I still stand by that statement. And to close out the season, April, you know, we have only one, two, three, four, five games in April in order to and by then, either the seeding race should be close to over or we should already have a, our spot. We should already know our spot in the playoffs. Chicago, Toronto, Charlotte, Atlanta, and we close the season against our beloved Orlando Magic. The interstate rivalry. Look, man, more irony. Are they going to make us play Atlanta at the end of every season? I mean, I hope it doesn't come down to like we're fighting for like the second or the third or the fourth seed or something, and we got to play Atlanta to see who gets it. That never ends well for us. 
maybe they're doing that. Maybe they're doing it for that reason because maybe they see us and Atlanta as a maybe. I think the Heat are superior, but Atlanta should not be far behind. So by that point, maybe they're fighting for seating between each other, so that that final meeting between them could be very decisive. Absolutely, but I also noticed something about the last two games: the proximity games, Charlotte, Atlanta, and Orlando. Um, so none of those games will require massive travel for the other team. I wonder if everybody else's schedule closes like that. And at least us. I don't know about the other teams. But we get we get a lot of rest. Well, April, we open up with a back-to-back between Chicago and Toronto. Those teams are no pushovers. We could... I see... Worst case scenario, hey man, we could, we could hey split man, you, you sound a lot more. You sound a lot more humble today about Chicago than you typically sounded. You say they're going to be terrible any other time, JJ. Be honest with the people. <laughs> I'm being honest with the people. I don't, I don't think they're going to be really good. I don't think they're going to be really, really terrible. I'm just going to say they're no pushovers. They have the talent that's, to... That's fair. To, that's fair. And Toronto as well. Toronto, I don't think they're going to be really good. They're not going to be really good. But they're, again, no pushovers. They're really well coached. Right. They have talent. And I think Toronto is going to definitely bring it every time they play us, the whole Cal Lord factor. And it's a game in Toronto. So that first game in Toronto which is Kyle Lowry's return, will be transmitted on TNT. And I, unfortunately, either, I don't know if he plays well that, see, that game, understandably so, that, that was his home for the last nine years. So either, and the, the crowd is going to be fired up to, to beat him, and the team as well. So that first meeting in February against the Raptors in Toronto, I think you should probably check that, chalk that up as a loss for us. Interesting. I'll definitely be watching that. But as we spent, we had a couple of more topics we thought we were going to get to, but the schedule took us a lot longer. So to put a button on it, man, if you had to give the people three games of the season that they must see or three games that you wouldn't miss, let's say that Toronto game in February, his first game back in Toronto, we can put that off on both of our lists. So that's one game for each of us because I agree with you. I, I have to see that his first game back. Two more games that the people must see. What are they, JJ? The second leg of a back-to-back between Milwaukee and Brooklyn. Because that's what I want. That's what we'll see. That's what we'll know what that team truly is by that point. They're so March, the March 3rd? The March 3rd matchup, right. Yeah, the March 3rd. 3rd excuse me. That should be one of my must-watch. And the other... Hmm, I don't want to go conventional here. But I want to say... Hmm, I'm going to say... That Boston game in March, the last game of March, because wow. I think I think both I think the Heat are clearly better, but I think Boston will be fighting for a lot by that game, and that's gonna be they're gonna and they always play well against us given the history that both franchises have. What are yours? Wow, that's pretty good, man. It's funny that a lot of our games are in March. Um, I would have picked the same Brooklyn game as you, um, so no, I feel that way about it. I could have chose that one, but just to differ a little bit and since I made a big deal about it I'll say the Philly game after that back-to-back like you think with the Brooklyn game which I agree I think how we react in that Philly game will really show a lot about us um I also think that Phoenix game in the following week is one to see because amongst the cupcakes if they can get their stuff together and again off of those three games to you know really bring it against Phoenix and do what they're supposed to do so they can have a great month of March. I think that really shows us 
especially at that time of year, how they feel or how they'll play out against, you know, other good teams in the playoff scenario. So I would say that Philly game after the back-to-back to open March and then the Phoenix game just a game after that. Good picks as well. Anyway, Kenneth, I don't know about you, but if I had a fast-forward button, I would be pressing that. I would be hammering that button because I already want this season to start. At least until, like, you know, the top of January, at least. But we'll have to confirm ourselves with some soccer, football, and baseball for the next couple of weeks. We're still It's not what? so bad, man. It's not so bad. It's not so Let bad. Let me see. Yeah, I do enjoy some Euro- I, I, I am enjoying the European football. Absolutely. Absolutely. Got a lot of good things going on over there. Transfer season is always pretty interesting. Messi hasn't played yet, but in any event. Yeah. Anyway, Kenneth, this was a good episode, man. Always is, man. Anytime I get to talk here and talk with you, I, I think I had a good time. So thank you for listening to the 305 Culture Pod. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. You can and where also can they follow a- you at on Twitter, JJ? Uh, thank you for asking. You can follow me on Twitter at JJ Rivera NBA. And where can they follow you, Ken? Oh, man, they can follow me at K said K. That's K underscore said underscore Q-U-E. Again, K said K on Twitter. And you guys should definitely follow us on Twitter. Absolutely. If you could also leave a short review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, we would really appreciate it as it helps the show grow. Let's hold on, fellas. The season is fast approaching. We're still about two months away before things really start to ramp up. Although, training camp should be upon us soon. Absolutely. Oh, man, we have to mention this. I know we're closing out. We lost Dejan Giroux to the Indiana Pacers, and I totally get it. He took what was quote fingers again a popular theme on this episode the guaranteed deal close quote from them in the guarantee offered two-way slot whereas we haven't offered anybody a two-way slot now mind you again to be quick here we would have probably offered him one of the two-way slots but I can't be mad at him for taking that one from the Pacers and I can see why they did it because he's really Malcolm Brogdonish. it hurt but I get it let's hope that the same doesn't happen with Marcus Garrett and we can't. I wrote that. I wrote that at All You Can Heat, which you can check me out on every day. We And this was the headline, JJ. We can't get Dejan Giroud with Marcus Garrett. Absolutely cannot. 100% agree. There you go. So thank you for listening and see you next week. Bye-bye.